of heights to the depths of the sea. And his fame was in all of surrounding areas, and he spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. The proverbs that we have in the book are not all of the proverbs. Those are only a small portion of them. Can you imagine where they, where are they, where are they at? Are they somewhere on the earth in a, in a hold up in a cave in Qumran somewhere they just haven't discovered yet? Wouldn't that be interesting? But God made sure that the ones that he really wanted us to have are in right here. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Solomon's great wisdom, which was divinely inspired wisdom, makes up a considerable portion of the book of Proverbs. Solomon composed many songs, but few psalms in the sense that David was the sweet psalmist of Israel. This goes back to Solomon's inferior relationship to God compared to his father, David. But Solomon's wisdom was not only applied to understanding life and human problems, but also to understanding the world around him. He had a divinely gifted intellect and ability to understand. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. And Judah and Israel dwelt safely. Notice, again, such a wonderful time. A blessed time that they'll never know again for a very long time. Judah and Israel dwelt safely, each man under his vine and under his fig tree, from Dan as far as to Beersheba, which is the northernmost part of Israel, and Dan to the southernmost part, Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. And again, um, the only time we read about this um, happening, uh, in fact, he mentions that each man under his vine and under his fig tree, you might want to underline that, and I want you to write a couple scriptures down next to that underlined portion. And here they are, Micah. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Micah 4, verses 1 through 4. And then Zechariah chapter 3, verse 10. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 10. Just for time's sake, we're going to look at the one from Micah. But listen to this. This is the prophet prophesying of a time that is still yet future to us. It's going to be in the millennial reign, okay? So he's speaking of ultimately Zion's restoration. Uh, the Lord's reign in Zion, in the millennial reign of Christ. Listen to this. This is so awesome. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days. That gives us a, a, a tip-off here. It's, it's even still future to us. That the mountains of, of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion the law shall go forth, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples and rebuke strong nations afar off. Yes, even in the millennial reign, 
He's going to rebuke nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. But notice here in verse 4. But everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree. <laughs> There's no mistake why it's, that phrase is in, the, in this area where Solomon is starting to reign because it's not going to happen again until the millennial reign. And Micah tells us, and so does Zechariah in chapter 3, verse 10. Very interesting, very interesting. Because most of the Jewish people's existence has been wrought with struggle for survival, not only individually, but also nationally. Anti-Semitism has always been the devil's playing card that he uses over and over again in every generation. We saw it in the 40s when Adolf Hitler, uh, he was a master at propaganda, and he slandered the Jews for everything. Anything that was going wrong, he blamed on the Jews, and his propaganda was such that the leaflets and the caricatures that they put in the newspapers, he barraged the people of Germany with this kind of stuff, and they believed it. They took it hook, line, and sinker, and they hated the Jews because all they heard was that they are the problem, they are the problem, they are the problem, and it worked wonderfully. He was a master at propaganda. And why is that? Because he was led by Satan. That is why he was a master. And we see the same thing today. But at this time, wonder of wonders, Israel dwelling safely, and every man being under his fig tree and under his vine tree. Same thing in the millennial reign, yet future to us. What a wonderful thing. So notice in verse 26, So Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses. Are you serious? Hmm... Put a question mark next to that, if you would. Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. The correct reading of this is really 4,000. And the reason I, we know that is because, write this scripture, scripture reference off to the side. It's in Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 25, because it gives us the real record here. Now remember, so it's 4,000, not really 40,000. Now one thing you have to remember, again, in, in the Hebrew, when they would write a letter, one little, one little jot or one little tittle, these, these little markings that they put over numbers can mean either 40, 400, or 4,000, or 40,000, and it's all just these little marks, okay? And so yeah, a scribal error in the a copying from the original could have made that. The original had it, but when they copied it, something got missing. And so don't hang your hat and, and let it destroy your faith if numbers in uh, Samuel and Kings and a few other places are a little bit garbled. Usually you can corroborate by looking at Chronicles, which is a much better source uh, the manuscripts are in much better shape. And so it says in Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 25, it says, Solomon had 4,000 stalls for his horses and chariots, and 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. Um, and he had 1,400 chariots. And so it makes sense. If you have 1,400 chariots, how many men usually ride in a chariot? Maybe one or two, but you got two horses. Probably pulling the chariot. You got at least one guy in the chariot. And so it makes a lot more sense, even, even though the scripture tells us in Second Chronicles, or I'm excuse me, in Second Chronicles nine twenty five, that it indeed was uh, four thousand instead of forty thousand. And so and Megiddo is actually one of these chariot cities. In fact, and you can write this down too, in First Kings chapter nine, 
verse 15 through 19, it gives us uh, a hint at these chariot cities that Solomon had made. 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 15 through 19. Let me read it to you. It says, And this is the reason for the labor force which King Solomon raised to build the house of the Lord, his own house, the Milo, the wall of Jerusalem, Hazor, Megiddo, and Gezer. These are cities. And it says, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had gone up and taken Gezer and burned it with fire and had killed the Canaanites. And then finally, I'm just going to skip down to verse 19 for the sake of time. It says, And all the storage cities that Solomon had, cities for his chariots and cities for his cavalry, and whatever Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, in Lebanon, and in all the land of his dominion. So we know that the Megiddo was one of these cities. And in fact, if you visit Megiddo, if you go to Israel with us next year, you'll see the actual stables and, and, and these stables, in Megiddo alone, there's at least room for 450 horses and about 150 chariots. And they've already uncovered a lot of this stuff. And you can actually see the feeding troughs, the mangers, really. The, the stone thing that's cut out where the horses would eat and drink. They're right, they're right there. And you can see where the, 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 the stalls would have been. And, and you know, they've, they've, they've figured that out, the archaeologists. But Solomon wasn't supposed to multiply horses. <laughs> Write this scripture down. Deuteronomy 17, verses 14 through 17. Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 17. Let me read it to you. He wasn't supposed to multiply horses. In fact, he was the only one of the, of, of the um, uh, kings who, uh, who did this. So it says... God, speaking to the children of Israel, said this, says, When you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses and one from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother, but he shall not multiply horses for himself nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. Horses, For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again, and neither shall you multiply wives for yourself. And so we already see these two harbingers, if you will, that, are, that God has already spoken against, and, 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 and Solomon is already on, on, on unsteady ground as God has given him everything. And God doesn't, didn't do it. He knew that Solomon would do that, but he made a promise to Solomon. He made a promise, but Solomon wouldn't, wouldn't even make it to his 70th birthday. I think he died when he was probably around 69. So he died relatively young, and, and that was, a, that was a, a promise that God had made to him. If you turn away from me, you're, you're not going to have long life. I believe that if Solomon would have kept his nose clean and would have continued uh, staying away from these prohibitions that God had told him that would get him into trouble, he probably, maybe, he probably would have lived longer. Maybe. Because God made the promise. If you do this, you will live longer. But he didn't, and he didn't. 
And even his father, David, says in Psalm 20, verse 7, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. In Psalm 33, verse 16, No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. And finally, even Isaiah, in Isaiah 31, verse 1, says this, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots, because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. Verse 27, back in our text now, it says, And these governors, these twelve governors, each man, in his month provided food for King Solomon and for all who came to King Solomon's table, and there was no lack in their supply. And they also brought barley and straw to the proper places to these chariot cities for the horses and the steeds, each man according to his charge. And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand that is on the seashore. Um, This ought to encourage us because toward the end of Solomon's reign, as I've already said, he began to slip in his devotion to the Lord. And guess what? Did any of these things take the Lord by surprise? It didn't. If God is who he says he is, he's omniscient and omnipresent, it did not slip his mind. God knew very well, but God made a promise. And God was going to fulfill his promise. God was going to do certain things. And then there was a conditional promise where God says, and if, you can read it again in 2 Samuel Samuel chapter 7, verses 10 through 16, which is the Davidic covenant. You know, this is what I'm going to do. This is what your son's going to do. And if he does this, then I will do, then this will happen. If he turns away from me, then he's not going to live long. You know, God spells that out. And he was faithful to complete that. But he still continued to bless Solomon. He never had any troubles all of his days, although he made some really bad mistakes. And I love in Romans 11, verse 29, it says, The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. They're without repentance. God, knowing all of this that would happen to Solomon and the things he would do, he knew that, and yet he still chose Solomon. I don't know about you, but that encourages me because he loves you, and he loves me. He's going to accomplish what he's going to accomplish through your life. There are certain things that are uh, unconditional, and there are things that are conditional. But he's given us so many unconditional promises. If you are mine, you're going to go. <laughs> when, I, when I, you know, at the time of the rapture, you're going to go. But because of the things that you've done, your rewards are maybe different than others. But you're going to get in. But see, I'd much rather get in and have a lot of rewards rather than just get in by the skin of my teeth as if by fire and then sit there with a, a copper kettle pan and, you know, hitting it against a spoon. If that's all I got, praise the Lord, at least I'm in, right? But I would rather, wouldn't God rather have all of us have our, you know, many crowns that we can cast at his feet and say, Lord, you're the one. And that'll just be a part of our worship, right? How awesome is that going to be? 
Thus Solomon, verse 30, excelled in wisdom above all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all the men, than Ethan the Ezrahite, and Heman, Chalcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahol, and his fame was in all of surrounding areas. And he spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. The proverbs that we have in the book are not all of the proverbs. Those are only a small portion of them. Can you imagine where they, where are they, where are they at? Are they somewhere on the earth in a, in a hold up in a cave in Qumran somewhere they just haven't discovered yet? Wouldn't that be interesting? But God made sure that the ones that he really wanted us to have are in right here. He made sure of it, that the most important ones are given to us. And the songs... A thousand and five songs. We only know, he, he wrote, uh, we believe, three different psalms. Psalm 73, Psalm 127, Psalm 132, Solomon did. And he also wrote the song, the Song of Solomon, which is one of his songs. Now we've got a thousand and four left. Where are they? But God made sure that we had one of them, at least, and a few psalms. And also, verse 33, he spoke of trees. And I think about this, and it blows my mind, and we're almost done. Thank you for your patience. Also, he spoke of trees, from the cedar tree of Lebanon, even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of animals, and of birds, and of creeping things, and of fish. And he had time, and he thought about these things, and he observed, and God gave him great wisdom. Everyone was coming to Solomon. you know. And one of the great takeaways from this chapter is the fact that God is a keeper of his promises. You know, of the men and nations from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom, they came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And I think, and we'll end with this, this passage right here, but God keeps his promises. Notice what God says to Solomon. And I'll, and I'll just read this and we'll pray and we'll end. It's in First Kings chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. This is the promise and... The unconditional promise, and then there's a conditional promise. And let me know when you see it. You'll always know an, a conditional promise when you see these two words, if, then. If you do this, then I'll do that. Whenever you see that in the scripture, it's a conditional promise. Meaning, if you don't do this, or if you do this, then I'm going to do this, or I'm not going to do this. It's conditional. But in this promise that we're reading in First Kings 3, verse 5 through 14, you're going to see unconditional promise. And then a conditional promise. Notice. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God says, ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, you've shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and an uprightness of heart with you. You've continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I'm a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours and this is where God comes in (laughs) the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing and then God said to him because you have asked this thing 
and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have you asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked the life of your adversaries, but you ask for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and an understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall there be anyone arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that there shall be not anyone like you among the kings all your days. Those are unconditional promises. But beginning now in verse 14 is the kicker. (laughs) The unconditional promise. And how do I know that? The very second word within that verse 14. So if, circle the word if, if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, and was David perfect? No, he wasn't. But he repented and his relationship was restored. Then, circle the word then, there's your conditional statement. If you do those things, then, notice, I will lengthen your days. There it is. If you do those things, I will lengthen your days. But we know that Solomon did not, and we're going to look at that as we get further. He amassed the horses and the chariots. He had the multiple wives. And they did finally ensnare him, just as the Scripture foretold would happen if he did those things. It certainly caught up to him. And as a result of that, Solomon died before his 70th birthday, we believe. Many of you are older than 60 or older than 70 here tonight. And 70 is really not that old. When you get 85 and 90, you're getting up there. But until then, you know, and notice that God was faithful to what he said. Do you see it? He was faithful to his word. He, he did exactly what he was going to do unconditionally. He was going to give him wisdom and wealth and honor, and he did that. And without repentance, knowing very well what would happen, but he also made the promise, the, un- the conditional promise now, but if you walk away from me, Solomon, then I will lengthen, or uh, as you, if you walk... Um, If you walk in my ways and keep my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. But he didn't. And so he didn't lengthen his days. So God, what a faithful promise keeper. He is the promise keeper. I can't keep promises. I don't even like making promises to anyone, although I have. But I'm learning not to make promises. I'm learning not to make oaths that I can't keep. But God is the one who's faithful. Don't you love that about God? And he's made promises to you. Great and precious promises in his word. And you know what? We've got a lifetime. Until he returns, we've got, so, we got whatever time we have left to really love him, to serve him, and to get to know him better, and to uh, absorb all that he has for us so that we're ready when he comes. I don't know about you. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready. But I'd like to think I am because I want to go now. If the Lord rang the bell, in in spite of my failings and my sin, I would be like, Lord, poke me, I'm ready. (laughs) Let's go. Let's go. Let's serve the Lord. Let's love him and get serious about your walk. Let it be a joy, because it really is. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, and your strength. Let him totally consume you. Lift all the burdens from your hearts. 
and just fall upon him daily. Fall upon him daily and say, Lord, I am nothing, but you are everything. And I just give you everything. I give you this day, Lord. Order my steps. Help me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And Lord, I I love you and I'm so thankful. And you know the peace and the love that he gives is overwhelming. I pray that you all experience that. Tonight and tomorrow as you wake up. Let's stand and let's pray. I've kept you and thank you for your, again for your patience. Father, we thank you for this night. Pray that you'd bless us, Lord. Encourage us in these challenges uh, that we read about and certainly the challenges that face us, Lord, uh, in, in every part of our life, Lord. We belong to you and, Lord, take control of our lives. Help us to not be afraid of you and to give you everything, Lord Jesus Christ. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Have a blessed night. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.